The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi everybody, Andrew Gormley, CEO of Classic Flyers here. If you're interested in classic aviation and you want to get up close and personal to old aircraft and see some of New Zealand's aviation history, come across the Classic Flyers, Jean Batten Drive, Mount Monganui, right on the edge of the airport. You can go for flights in old aeroplanes like Boeing Stearmans and Harvards. There's lots to see. Kids' parties happening here all the time. We have functions and function rooms, business meetings, and a great cafe with excellent coffee. If you'd like to be involved with Classic Flyers, we also have the volunteer groups who do all things from helping out with function work or just on the main hangar floor with visitors and guests or birthday parties, right through to engineers who get involved in restoring some of our wonderful old aircraft assets. Currently at the moment, we've got a Grumman Avenger being restored and a de Havilland single-seat FB5 Vampire. These things are all part of New Zealand's aviation history. It's a great place and it's in a good location. Come and have a visit. Check out the website on www.classicflyersnz.com Extended Hi, this is Peter Johnson from Aerospace Radio Station Extended. And we bring you some of Europe's best guests. He's, he's been something of, of an unsung hero of the American space program, outside those who are, have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. <laughs> some people will call you mad. Some people will call you heroes. Uh, uh, and everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's, uh, it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch. And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen if you want to hear about warbirds, aviation, and the aerospace industry? Come over and give us a visit. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extended. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Well, I'm talking with Lucy Newell. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Uh, you're a pilot and um, you've been getting up to some aviation adventures lately, but can you take us right back to the beginning? How did you get interested in aviation to start with? Um, I, I, I was actually working on a dairy farm before I started flying, um, and I'd thought about flying a little bit. But I hadn't. I wasn't serious about it at first. Um, but my father, he he was quite into aviation. He's not a pilot himself, but he really wanted to become a pilot when he was my age. Yeah. He just never got the chance because he had to take over the farm. 
from his father. So he, he was quite interested in me doing my, the ground course to find out if I was interested in it too. Okay. So I actually ended up doing the six subjects, the PPL subjects, before I even got in an aeroplane. And I, I enjoyed the, for some reason, I enjoyed the ground subjects. So I thought, well, if I enjoy the idea of flying on the ground, then I hopefully will enjoy the flying part of it. So I. So where did you do that? At the um, Aviation Academy in Christchurch. Okay. Right. And um, what age were you when you started there? 18. Okay. Yeah. So it's not that long ago, really, because you're 24 now? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and you obviously enjoyed it and you wanted to get into it. So where did you go from there? Um, so um, after after I finished at the academy, I had my commercial um, and I, I wanted to do a bit of mountain flying. And I also was interested in the older aeroplanes. At the time, I didn't know what kind of flying I wanted to do, but like eventually, I didn't yeah. know whether I wanted to get into the airlines, but I just knew that I wanted to have lots of different experiences in aviation. Yeah. So I, that's the reason I decided that I'd go down to Wanaka. Okay. Um, and I'd heard of um, Mr. Peter Hendricks down there with his Tiger Moths. Yeah. And I thought that that was quite cool. Not that I'd ever... I'd never thought that I'd get an opportunity to fly them, but I thought just working around that kind of environment would be yeah. quite beneficial and quite fun. So um, that's what I that's what I did straight after. Um, so you you'd le- you got your commercial on what type of aircraft? I did it on an Alpha, okay, 160A, uh, and then when I when I went down to Wanaka, I did my instructor rating and started flying the Cherokee which was actually the first time I flew the Cherokee. Okay. It was quite a different experience. So did you do your PPL and commercial all, all together, all straight the way through in, in one sort of big course? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that would have been a course that most of the students would then be heading off to airlines? Normally, yeah. It was um, They had an airline integration course in the diploma that you did. I decided not to do it because I, I just... I didn't. I really didn't want to see myself sitting in the right-hand seat of an aeroplane in five years and going, "Oh, I wish that I had gone out and gotten all these other opportunities." Yeah, yeah. And I still don't want to. I don't want to go to an airline just because I know that I'll look back and go, "Oh, well, I could have gone and flown in Alaska or Antarctica or you know, like not that I'm ever going to do that, but at least I've got the opportunity to do it." Yeah, but you never know. You might do it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's the exciting part. Like I I don't I don't know where aviation will take me still. Yeah. That's exciting. Absolutely. So, um you got to Wanaka, you um started instructing on the Cherokee. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about the Cherokee. Do you like that? Um, it's a good trainer. Yeah, I I really like it as a trainer. Um the drawback with the Alpha is the way they weren't they weren't initially designed but they um I put this um the the academy um, made them more directionally stable by adding a fin underneath the back fuse right. which meant that you couldn't you couldn't flare like you can in other airplanes yeah um, which was just one of the design differences but it because because I was used to that going to the Cherokee made it a lot easier to explain to students how to land and they they understood the process a lot better I, I found anyway yep. in my experience. Um, 
some people will say the 172 is a better trainer and they both have good characteristics but I just preferred the Cherokee for training so what type of students were you teaching I mean were they just locals or were they international students or Um, initially when I first started there um, we were doing quite a few trial flights um, and those were international students. Um, but after that, I started training more of the local um, people around Wanaka and Queenstown. So um, we'd do PPL training. Um, I started doing CPL training later on and um, also instructor training too. So training instructors? Yeah. Yeah, wow, okay. That's yeah. pretty cool. We did a few CCAT courses and things, so yeah. it's a good place to do it. Um, Obviously, I'm a bit biased, having done it down there myself. Yeah. Uh, but flying around the mountains, like having the opportunity to be able to take off and immediately be affected by the winds coming through the mountains, yeah. that kind of thing made it made it good not only for initial training but also for instructor training. Right. Really good learning curve by the sound of it. That's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the tiger moths. So you got into tiger moth flying. Yeah, so I was I was very lucky. Um, Peter Hendricks gave me the opportunity to start flying the Tiger on scenic flights. I uh, would use it for 20-minute scenic flights over Wanaka and also 30-minute aerobatic flights okay. for under adventure aviation. So uh, it was it was just a it's an amazing opportunity to be able to fly a Tiger Moth on those kinds of operations because there's not many places that do it. I don't think I would have gotten an opportunity to fly the Tiger either uh, otherwise yeah. without travelling very far. Right, right. Um, so you mentioned that you were doing aerobatic flights, taking um, customers, I guess, uh, uh, tourists and that sort of thing up. Yeah. So did you had you been doing aerobatics before in other types of aircraft? Yeah, in the Citabria we did um, what we called the stunt flight for tourists. Okay. which would be a kind of like a just a flight experience for them to see what the aircraft how the aircraft operates right. normally people who would have a bit of a more a tendency to higher adrenaline activities yeah. <laughs> but they they all loved it everyone that did it loved it because they they wouldn't do it otherwise yeah yeah so that just um in a place like Wanaka with tourists coming through every day you must meet a whole lot of different people and people from all around the world yeah yeah we'd get people coming in um that flew airlines overseas uh quite a few helicopter pilots that wanted to experience flying fixed wing for the first time okay uh just really interesting people with super interesting backgrounds um the international pilots were definitely the most interesting because they bring stories and um and things to to tell us like it would it was quite cool right. the comparisons between flying in say Alaska and flying in New Zealand yeah, yeah. Hey, what about um, the local airport I guess you there's a lot of helicopter operators and various other people on Wanaka I guess you sort of become a close-knit community there yeah yeah so as you can imagine um, I'm not sure what the movements are now but it's one of the busiest uncontrolled airports in New Zealand yeah. Um, and it has, at the time, it had two fixed-wing schools, and um, 
one very busy helicopter training school. Okay. It not that's not taking into account the other operators. There were also various scenic and um, and commercial helicopter operators. So you can imagine the the amount of flights going in and out every day, yeah. every hour in fact was quite excessive. Yeah. Um, so you had to you had to form like quite a a close um, relationship with those other operators to be able to you know talk up and speak up when something happened or um, to be able to keep things conforming with with each other yeah. Um, and you would have been there during the air show of course and, and you took part in the air shows hadn't you? Uh, yeah just the last Monica last air show one, yeah. yeah I was very lucky to be able to display the tiger and the fly past yeah. very cool it was awesome was very very lucky to be able to fly like I mean the people who fly in the air show are just incredibly talented and to be able to fly alongside them was pretty cool yeah and you're gonna be doing it again this year aren't you? yeah yeah same thing so um, instead of a four ship tiger formation it will be a five ship brilliant okay yeah any tigers a good tiger but five in the formation is gonna be great yeah yeah, a little a little slow compared to everything else, but I think it it displays the difference in um, just the difference in aircraft over the board. Like you have the fighters flying, and you also have these wee trainers yeah. that people would have been flying before the P forty or the Spitfire. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, and of course, now you're in a whole different career. Well, still flying, but. Um, you moved from Wanaka to Canada. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, it was um, it was quite the quite the change. Um, I I got my license in Canada a few years ago, uh, and I I didn't ever think I never had the um, the idea that I have to go back and use this. I wanted to, but I didn't think that it. It, it might not happen and I would I was going to be okay with that yeah. uh, and I, I did it because I wanted another license and I wanted the experience to just you know see what other country how other countries operated yeah. um, so that's the reason I did it in 2016 I got the conversion done where did you do that in Squamish which is north of Vancouver okay yep. so it's also in the mountains and just the differences between the mountains here and the mountains there is incredible they have vegetation all over their mountains compared to us with our granite tops and yeah. um, flat valleys. Um, so I, when I finished up in Wanaka, I, um, I had the opportunity to, uh, to go over there. Um, I got an international um, work experience visa, yeah. which is a two-year working holiday visa. You can work for any company in Canada yeah. um, versus being... Um, being tied to one company it's right. it's quite a good visa yeah. uh, so I got that and I was trying to find a job over there and got very very lucky um, I know a guy who works for a company in Indonesia it's the company I work for now um, and I spoke to him since I knew that there was a base in Canada and he, he very kindly passed my details on to the um, general manager of the company and about 
a day later I had an interview over WhatsApp and a week after that I <laughs> was planning my trip over there to start working. So I started working over there in May and um, and I was given a, they actually didn't have a job, a, a role available at the time, so they gave me a ground position um, and that quickly turned into both a ground position and flying a 185 on floats. Yep. Uh, but after after about a month of doing that, a position became available in the Beaver for the rest of the summer. So I started flying the Beaver on floats, which is absolutely incredible. I still, I can't believe that I'm over there doing that kind of stuff. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's, yeah, brilliant. It's a good word. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's, Yeah. So did you do uh, the float conversion there? Had you done any float? float no. Um, so uh, there's, there was an opportunity in Wanaka uh, last year to get my um, float endorsement on um, on a Piper Cup. Okay. Yep. Uh, so in, in Canada, you need five hours of dual and two hours of solo. So I literally had my seven hours when I went over right. to get my float endorsement. Um and then when I went over there, I had to then get it signed off by someone from Transport Canada. So that was that was also the reason I was on the ground for quite a while before I started flying the 185. Yeah. Um, the, the, there are quite a few differences, not with float flying itself, but just with the way we're operating. In Wanaka, of course, it's the, one of the deepest lakes in New Zealand, so it has no rocks that you have yeah. to watch out for. In Canada, that's not the case. <laughs> Water level changes and rocks just show up. Um, it's quite incredible, actually. Um, just different different weeks. You'll have you'll be it'll be the same lake, but also a different lake just because of the obstacles. Yeah. It's quite a learning curve. Cool. So, with the beaver flying, uh, tell us where you were flying, uh, where you were based, and what you were flying uh, in terms of cargo and what your missions were, what, all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so the company I operate for has lodges in the wilderness. Um, so they have two two massive lodges, full service lodges, which are absolutely incredible when you just consider, just considering that they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, and then they have 20 outposts, which are small cabins in the, in the wilderness. Right. So the lodges have staff there that are running it. And yeah. Bar, is there a bar and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, everything. Okay. Yeah, they provide um, food services. They they have um, housekeeping housekeepers and yeah, the whole lot. They have um, guides to take people out on the lakes. Yeah, so it's like a hotel in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. They have to fly everything in. Um, just to, you know, to build those places is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Some of them have their own um, mills just so that they can get the wood. To build them, yeah. Wow. Uh, so the so my role in the company was to greet guests at our, um, at our dispatch. I guess you'd call it a dispatch um, point. Yeah. Um, so it was a it was like a office slash accommodation um, on Lake Mackenzie in Ontario, and uh, so I would yeah. As one of the team, we we all greet the guests. We um, we take them out out to these outposts or the the lodges, 
um, and we make sure the camps are all set for them, um, clean boats. It's not just a flying job, it's probably 20% flying and 80% everything else. Right, right, okay. Which is awesome, like that's, I I would rather have an experience where I can, I can do all these other things. I'd yeah. never touched a boat motor, for instance, before I went over there and now I, I've done quite a few things on boat motors and um, it having to explain to guests how to use them and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, yeah, That's it's great. definitely not just a flying job. Yeah, and um, you've also, um, with the with the cabins, you're taking out hunters that will go there for a week or so and so you've got to take out all of their provisions with them and all that. Yeah. Yeah, so... We, we don't just operate the beaver, we also have an otter. So for some groups, there'll be seven people going out. Okay. And um, they some of them like to take quite a lot of stuff with them yep. out into the bush. Um, it's quite impressive, actually, how much <laughs> stuff people can take. Uh, but yeah, they, they'll go out and fish for a week at a time. Okay. So just fishing or are they as well? Uh, some of them at the end of the summer will go out for moose hunting. Okay. Um, there's a hunting period. I can't remember off the top of my head what dates it's between. Yeah, like an open season on them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, not open season. You, they have to get a tag. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so they have to um, apply to get a tag from the government. Yeah. It's, it's okay for native people to go out and hunt at yeah. any time of the year, but yeah, um, any, any Canadian or tourist has to buy these moose tags. Um, I didn't get a chance to take any tourists out to do moose hunting, um, but I did bring a moose out of the bush recently when I was flying the caravan. They, they're quite, it's quite smelly. <laughs> the, the meat is quite smelly. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a, the greatest experience. <laughs> you mentioned the otter. Oh yeah. Uh, do, do you, have you got the rating on that as well? No, um, no. But I the plan is um, I will hopefully be doing a rating, not to fly it this next season um, because it, we have two pilots and uh, there's another pilot that flies the otter, so I can't, yeah. <laughs> can't steal his job from right, him, right, yeah. which is fair enough. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll be doing a check out on it just just to. So you can, so you see can the difference it, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah um, my boss is very very kind and he's um he said that i'll be flying it um so tell me about the beaver what's it like to fly um it's it's a truck i would say yeah it's a bit of a truck i've i've never flown anything that has cruise flap i never expected to fly any airplane that actually required flap in the cruise wow. but this thing if you're <laughs> I love her to bits but she's uh, she's a bit of a dog if she's full yeah. and you've actually got a cruise with your nose quite high so it's a trade off you either you either have all of the parasite drags you're cruising along or you put on some flap and have a bit of induced drag okay. so it's it's you have a bit better visibility better cooling in the engine it, it's um it's quite impressive actually <laughs> um she she is an awesome aeroplane to fly though and what sort of loads are you um, taking in terms of kilograms or um, so we all work in pounds the beaver has 
after you take fuel into account, we're just with the trips we're doing, it's normally about a thousand pounds that we can take okay. of people and baggage. That's after I include myself in that too. Yeah. So um, it's a nice easy number. Um, so all the flights we do are about um, 30 to 40 minutes away from base. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's no fuel out there to fuel up, so that's return. Um, they, they can take quite a fair load, the beaver. Um, you can also strap canoes, which I've done, to the floats. Um, we only carry one canoe at a time, but it's, um, I was quite impressed with how much stuff you can get in there. Yeah, yeah. they are quite a big aircraft when you get up to them, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and you can fit four fuel barrel, four 35-gallon barrels of fuel in there quite easily, right. quite comfortably. They like to carry all of the, um, you never want to be tail-heavy in the Beaver, um, so you can because of the way the aircraft is um, set out, you can actually get the fuel barrels quite close up to the front, so it makes it makes it quite comfortable. Um, are the floats pure floats or? Are they uh, straight floats, yeah. yeah. So um, the different, like if we had amphibious floats with the retractable wheels, um, it would be it would be a very very um, small load I would say yeah. I've never flown one with amphibs on it but and I'm not sure what the weight difference is like but I just just from the experience of flying it with straight floats I just can't even imagine <laughs> commercially how they'd be viable <laughs> and of course when the uh, when the summer ended you then converted onto uh, the caravan Cess yeah Cessna caravan so um, in the winter, the beaver isn't used, being pissed in. Um, that's supposed to get down to negative 40 in the winter in Ontario. Yeah. It gets quite cold. Um, so they only operate the turbines. Um, I, I was quite lucky when I, when I started working at the company as they'd just bought a um, operation in Nakina, which is another part of Ontario. And they had three car grand caravans. Um, okay. Yeah, just providing um, charter and cargo services to the native communities in the reserves. Yep. Um, so I was offered the opportunity quite early in the season and was lucky enough able to do it. Um, just able to work out a way to be able to go over there and fly the caravan. Yep. It was my first turbine experience and I was quite surprised at how easy they are to operate. They're very straightforward engines. Yeah. Yeah, it's very impressive. And um, you said it's charter work, so you'll be going to different places each each trip, I guess? No, I say charter work, but uh, the planes are... We have an open charter, so the reserve members will charter the plane to get people to and from. So we, we basically, we have a... We have a... Um, flight every day for two communities so Fort Hope and Agoki um, every second day sorry so they um, they're one after the other um, and the, the um, people will pay for a ticket to go to or from um, yep. and if, if there's not a full plane we'll just put food onto the aeroplane or okay. other things that people order 
yeah, it's quite a cooperation. So it's kind of like a taxi service for them and um, and also supplying them with stuff they need from city. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... They have grocery stores in the reserves and we, we supply the um, grocery stores with what yep. they need. Yep. Uh, but it's quite it's still quite expensive to buy things in those places. So a lot of people will pay for things to be flowing in rather than uh, buying them locally in the reserve. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you're flying into grass strips? Uh, no, not, not with the um, caravan. They're, they are gravel at the reserves, yeah. um, but they, yeah, they're covered in snow at the moment, right. which basically makes them better. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're pretty, they're, I mean, by gravel strip standards, they're really good strips, yeah. uh, but they're, they're definitely softer to land on, and they're, they're sloped, so it's, it's almost always an uphill landing, yeah. just with the winds being so light over there. Um, so customers just love the, obviously as they would, they love soft landings. So they, they enjoy the ones, the landings in the winter versus okay. the summer. And with the uh, caravan, how many passengers can you take on it? We can take nine. Okay. Yeah, we can fit ten people, but just because of the um, the rules, we can take nine right. um, paying customers. Okay. Um. So you'll go, um, when the summer starts again, you'll go back onto the beaver again? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I'll be, I'm, at the moment I'm on a monthly rotation, so I will be going back um, end of April, early May, and then when the, when the ice, when the, they say when the lake's open, so when the ice is gone, yeah. um, I'll be able to go back onto the beaver so whether that be whether that's a week into May or three weeks into May, it doesn't matter because I'll just go straight from the caravan. Right. Now, with the company, um, and I guess maybe other companies doing this, is it mostly Canadian pilots, or are there a lot of uh, people from around the world like yourself who have gone there to do this experience? The uh, the company in Canada has only Canadian pilots at the moment um, but they do also operate out of Indonesia okay. so I think most of the the majority of the pilots in Indonesia are from New Zealand Australia um, right. one guy's from South Africa it, it, it's quite a assortment of different um, nationalities there okay. and I, I I'm not sure but um, I think that probably helped my case when I when I applied to work for them because they're used to hiring people from New Zealand and Australia. Right, right. But are you the only um, Kiwi flying in Canada with the company? Yeah. And only foreigner, I guess, from there? Only what, sorry? Foreigner. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite <laughs> funny on the radio. There's not many people who, um, who like, not many non-Canadians right. around Ontario. So I've actually had a few people over the radio ask where I'm from. Oh, right, okay. One guy said he was having a bet with his um, with his uh, co-pilot whether I was Cana- uh, sorry New Zealand or Australian. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. The captain got it right, so <laughs> <That's good. laughs> at least they both didn't think I was Australian. 
Well, that, that's actually quite interesting. I was, I was going to say, do you, would you recommend the experience to other young Kiwis to go over there? But if it's quite rare for outsiders to get in there, it might not be that easy. It's it's quite a massive area, so my experience probably isn't um, isn't yeah isn't a general experience. Yeah. Um, if you're, I would definitely suggest people go over there because it's just the one of the best opportunities ever. GA in Canada is massive compared to New Zealand. Yeah. Like to get the opportunity to fly a Beaver so early on, I I'm just I was shocked to be honest. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I had 35 hours on floats. Right. I had over 2,000 hours total time, but still 35 hours on floats. I have experience, but not that experience. So I was still quite really happy, but really, really happy at the opportunity, but also quite shocked. Um, The... But it, it's it's what they do over there. They give people opportunities. They see... They have... They know... They've been doing it for so long, they know personalities and they can see when people will be able to take a um, take the reins, I guess, yeah. would be the um, way to say it. But You've got quite an interesting arrangement that you've been working uh, six weeks on and six weeks off and you've been able to come back to New Zealand and mm. um, that's quite cool. I mean, Yeah, so um, I was... I was quite lucky actually. I was told for the winter I'd be working two weeks on, two weeks off. And it, while I wanted to take the opportunity, I also needed to be able to come back to New Zealand. So I spoke to another pilot, which um, my company is very, very good at letting us just work out our own yeah. um, our own schedules. Right. Nice and flexible. Really flexible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I spoke to another pilot and he wanted to travel during the winter. Right. So he agreed that we'd do a month on, month off contract. Yeah. Um, and we'd cover each other. So that's what we've been doing. Excellent. And he's actually the pilot that works on the Otter during the summer. So okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, um, it was quite good. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty cool. So when you come out of the country, does the time out of the country... Um, still get eaten up on your work visa or does it get paused and then when you get back it starts again so that your two years keeps extending out yeah i wish that was the case that'd yeah. be nice <laughs> yeah it would be that's yeah. how the british one used to be in the old days really yeah. oh geez yeah that would be awesome i would i'd be very happy with that <laughs> no i my con sorry my um visa will finish mid-may 2021 okay yeah yeah and you you your plan is to keep on flying in Canada until that runs out. Yeah. At the stage, yeah. Yeah, I like. I just love the company I'm working for. They're fantastic. Yeah. I like. I sound like I'm being paid to talk so well about them, but they really are the best company I've heard of, and um, and such awesome management and bosses. Like, really, really cool. Feel free to mention their name. You don't have to. Oh, uh, it's called Wilderness North. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, fantastic. Um, so they they have a operation in Indonesia. They fly the Air Tractor 802 um, hauling gas. Right. Um, so my plan is once I finish with my visa, um, the plan is I'll go over to Indonesia and start flying over there. Wow, that'd be an experience. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it. <laughs> it's um, 
they're awesome aeroplanes and I've heard really cool things about the terrain around Indonesia and everything so yeah that'll be something quite different again mm, yeah well you're going to have a humongous career to look back on you know the, the things you're doing I mean Wanaka alone is something out of the box for most Kiwi pilots so yeah I hope that I'll be able to keep adding more experiences and adventures to the pile of of things yeah and uh, I should ask um, what's your favourite type of aircraft favourite that I've flown Uh, yeah and what you'd like to fly as well um I really so the reason I wanted to get to Canada one day if if possible um I wanted to fly the DC-3 yeah I thought it was such a cool it's such an awesome aeroplane yeah and like I I won't be I won't be disappointed if I never get to operate commercially I'll definitely fly one I'll do a type rating somewhere one day um but yeah that that's the dream that would be that would be very cool um my favorite airplane that I've flown would be the that I that I'm type rated on would be the Beaver okay. yeah definitely it's just it's such a comfortable airplane it's it's a, like it's got a purpose and it's um it's it's so quintessential of a float plane in Canada it's, yeah absolutely it's almost iconic of Canada isn't it you think of aviation there you think of a beaver yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah I remember growing up with a tv program called Danger Bay long before you were born but um it was a just brilliant uh series about a um marine biologist guy or something and his family but it, his girlfriend had a beaver and they'd get into adventures and they always had to for every episode they jumped in this beaver and flew off somewhere cool and it was like wow i love those airplanes yeah <laughs> it it feels so you feel so free when you're flying not only on floats but flying around canada and there's lakes everywhere like they say flying feels like freedom float flying feels like freedom it's like <laughs> next level awesome uh have you had any sort of scary moments when you've been flying up in the wilderness and, and do you worry that you're a solo pilot out in the middle of nowhere um there's always that concern that we're out um servicing something and something will happen and it it's it's always there's always a risk of that kind of thing when you're working in the bush yeah. but we mitigate it as everything as everything in aviation is mitigated um we have the we have the emergency equipment there we have survival kits um everything like that i, I wouldn't say that there was anything um scary moments per se definitely learning moments yeah. um in the in the beaver just uh how much how much lake it uses sometimes um nil wind days are a good example of the worst times to take off hot nil wind days when there's lots of surface tension on the water so the floats will stick just like a flying boat does exactly yeah yeah so sometimes you've got to ripple up the water maybe taxi through it right and then line up around again and go back and yeah yeah and then there's the commercial pressure on top of that where you're trying to get get your customers somewhere or um there was one there was one group of customers they were all pilots actually from america you got quite worked up about the um, about getting out to their destination because the weather was forecast to get quite bad yeah. that afternoon and the next morning. 
Um, so it wasn't, it was no good for taking off when they got there, but it was forecast to get worse. So they, they were really trying to push me to take them out right. before it got worse. Right. And I mean, you've just got to say, no, no, no. Right, because you've still got to get back as well. And... Well, yeah, exactly. And I'm not, I'm not going to risk anyone's safety at all. <laughs> That's the number one. So definitely some experiences. Yeah. So there's actually accommodation at your um, at your base as well. So if people do get stuck like that, they they can have a bit of an experience anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's actually what ended up happen- happening with these guys. That we ended up getting them in um, the next afternoon. Right. Uh, because it it was just one of those um, massive walls of thunderstorms coming through and then clearing out. Yeah. Um, they ended up staying at the at the lovely accommodation on, on our base and then they took the boat out, went fishing in the lake and ended up getting a whole bunch of fish and they were happy as Larry. Excellent. Yeah, they actually had a... They thanked me the next morning and... <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, weather is something you've got to be quite aware of, but um, is there any other dangers? I mean, animals or anything? You'd think bears would be a big danger over there, but I've seen one bear okay. while I've been in Canada, and that was near the dump. <laughs> they have dumpster bears, they call them. Um, no, I wouldn't say there's not really any danger. No, nothing out of the ordinary. What about water birds when you're operating off water? Is there, do they you know, all flock in front of you at all, or...? No, I, I've, I've had one problem with birds. Uh, this is actually quite cool. Just remind, you've reminded me about this. Yeah. Um, I had two bald eagles swoop the aeroplane on approach to a lake. Wow. Yeah, I was with, um, I was with our dock hand coming in um, to one of the lodges actually just delivering some stuff they needed. And uh, yeah, these two, these two bald eagles, one went over the cowl one way and the other luckily missed the aeroplane the other way. Wow. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, but that's the only problem I've had with birds. Yeah. And they were actually out to get the aeroplane, so... <laughs> it was an attack. <laughs> it was an attack, yeah. <laughs> and then they must have gotten closer and gone, oh, I can't eat that. <laughs> we'll get out of here and not get minced. Whoops, wrong sort of beaver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... Wow, that's, that'd be pretty neat. Yeah. there's um There is different conditions over there, just back to the... Um, uh, the question you had before um th- there is the the problem with um like in the winter more so uh freezing rain and snow right. and that kind of things yeah. um but it's it's not so much it's never unsafe it's just different conditions yeah. and different experiences than what i'd have over here so for the listeners can you explain the freezing rain like you're telling me yesterday yeah, so um, freezing rain is when the the temperature, like you, when if you're flying in a layer where it's below zero, but above that layer you have some cloud that's um, that's raining. Um, it will it'll fall down onto the aeroplane, which is also below zero. Yeah. It will hit it and it will run back. So it's like clear ice, but worse. So you get a large, super cold water droplet rolling back over the top and the lower surface of the wing and just freezing as it rolls back. Right. So you can end up having you can end up having ice all the way on the undersurface. Um, these the aeroplanes I fly have boots 
which can remove the um, ice on the leading surfaces and also a heated propeller. But you can't continue flying in those conditions. The aircraft gets heavier and heavier. You can't clear ice that's over the top surface and the bottom surface. Yeah. We, we don't, just to make it clear, we don't fly in freezing rain or drizzle. Um, th- there is times where you come into unforecast, completely unforecast conditions like that. Um, where you turn around and go straight back to where you came from because there's no yeah there's no point in risking any of that kind of stuff no no because the i mean the ice will just continue to build up and build up yeah and you lose your aerodynamic yeah exactly and if it's unforecast you don't know if it's a shower or if it's if it's going to continue all the way to your destination Um, with freezing drizzle we're talking about a very very small amount but over a long period of time, that's yeah, it's not, um, it's not conducive to a safe flying environment. So, no, you no, get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Now that you only get that in the winter, obviously, so they'll be with the caravans that you. Yeah, yeah, and normally there's not a problem of it because of it's because it's just so cold and dry in Canada. Um, but this year, um, we've actually had quite a lot. Quite a lot of days where we've been grounded because of freezing rain and drizzle, okay. which is obviously quite frustrating. But it's just the my boss likes to say, which I love this saying: the weather will always get better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh, it, yeah, it's always going to be better tomorrow. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really interesting stuff, and. Uh, you're only 24 and you already had all these experiences, so, you know, that's quite amazing. It, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely, I'm, I'm very, very happy that I've had the opportunities. I think looking back at what kind of flying I've done so far, I'm just happy that this, this route has um, come about, like I've been able to do the type of flying I have done. Like the opportunities that I've been given, I'm just thankful that I had my experience in Wanaka and I was able to get to Canada and now I'm doing different things in Canada than what I was before. It's it's very cool. But you recently got a um, rating on the Chippy too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Chipmunk's an awesome aeroplane. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's very cool. Have you done any aerobatics in it? Um, no, no, just the just the rating. Yeah, but I've been a passenger while it's been doing aerobatics. Okay, yeah. And um, it's it's a very it's a very comfortable aeroplane. Does some nice gentle maneuvers. In comparison, well, not in comparison to the Tiger, but just with the closed cockpit versus the open cockpit. Right. It's um. Yeah. Uh, you did mention yesterday that you'd like to buy a plane eventually. Have you got anything in mind? I want. I really. I don't know why, but I really like the Cessna 120. It's a. One day I'm going to own one. 120. Is, is that a radial one? No, it's no. um. It's got a um Continental 85. Okay. Um. So it's a wee, a wee engine on it. It's a two seater. It's a very cute. Um. Oh yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. I don't know. It's a. It's an old aeroplane, they were built in the late 40s, they're, they're a really good trainer, it's got a tail wheel on it, which is the right place for the wheel to be, <laughs> and um, and I've seen pictures of them on floats. <laughs> oh, really? 
wow. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a bit of a literal drag off the water, but <laughs> I think that would be quite a good trainer on floats too. Just just because they're so underpowered, yeah. it's harder to get off the water, so there's um, more considerations for it. But yeah, that's the long-term plan. Excellent. Very, very far in the distance, yeah. but eventually. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Lucy. Thank you. Cheers. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. 